is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root, from CardsWire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site, covering the Arizona Cardinals. And with me on this edition of the show is co-host Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and of course also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast, a podcast I will continue to, to plug, especially for this time of year. We're not talking draft in this edition of the show. We're in episode 410. There's still free agency news to talk about with the Arizona Cardinals because they have not been super active, which makes it a kind of a slow slow bits and pieces adding but we do have some stuff correct Seth um what what are your takeaways just overall for free agency because it, it feels like it's it's very slow and calculated thus far it makes sense man I think you know you and I talk about it a lot off the air we text each other a lot about it this was always going to be a a rebuild and this was always going to be a a kind of transition year where you got you you were having to move some pieces and do some things and maybe even sign some guys that you know normally wouldn't have been on high priority list but you got to remember that despite your quarterback only being paid 16 million, which I think is like the fourth highest cap cap hit on the team this year. Um, You only came in with what? 35 ish million, 40 ish million Mm -hmm. in cap space. And you had 32 roster spots to fill. So you were going to, you're going to get a lot of these signings where you go, Huh, I thought they were trying to improve and it's like no they are but like that's going to take maybe not a year of step back but maybe not a year of of great improvement from the the names on the roster. It's not saying that they're not going to get better coached, better prepared. Th- better this is going to have to be as it looks right now a gritty team. Right. That they're they're and gonna it, be they're gonna be it's not gonna be like they've got talented players especially on offense but defensively it looks like so far they're going to have to be a very tough gritty well disciplined team to succeed right and and so that's where it's at right now and it's just I mean it's it's unfortunate I think fans you know understandably wanted more but. At the same time, you just have to see where they are at for what it is. Like we can lament and and talk about all of the mistakes that were made leading up to this point with the last regime. But the reality is the last regime had a knack for we'll take care of the cat mess tomorrow. And when Monty Austin Fort was hired or, or Steve Kime was allowed to walk away, you know, that was really the what 
what started this is it meant that the next GM was likely not, you know, positively, but was likely going to have to come in and eat that crap for a year while he figured out the roster, the situation, all of that stuff. And that's kind of where we are. And it's not, it's not fun. Trust us is, you know, cause again, at the end of the day, Jess and I are fans first, as much as we, you know, talk and write and stuff, we do that because we're fans and, and we want to see this team succeed, but we knew this is how it was going to be right. Like this yeah. was going to, this was going to be an unfortunate rebuilding and retooling <laughs> Here and, and and so far, like they're splashing free agency was Kaiser White. That's not much of a splash. No, no, it's not. <laughs> and and but that's the thing. There's nothing wrong with how they're doing it nope. or what they're doing. And, and it just it's not very exciting because you know it's this is the time of year. Even 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 when fans understand the situation, there is there is the feeling of missing out because you're seeing this news across the NFL of other teams making moves, doing this, and you're like, but Cardinals do something. Uh, and you understand it just, you know, and, and as writers, for the, we get to write about the team in terms of content. It's far more exciting when they make exciting moves. It, it moves the needle. Um, you know, page views hit. People are more people. Like, when the Cardinals do things that are exciting, everyone benefits, including us. But we understand why it's doing it. But in this edition of the show, episode 410, we're, we're going to kind of what we've done the last two shows. So what Seth and I did in our last show together and also what I did in, on the solo show last weekend. Um, we're going to talk about just type of the moves they made. We're going to talk about the, some new guys that they've re-signed that have come back to the team, what it means for those positions. Uh, we're going to look at three new signings from outside the organization, what they mean what they still need to address. We haven't addressed the DeAndre Hopkins potential trade that still hasn't happened, um, but kind of feels like it will, and, and, and kind of what we think is coming up. So let's start with the uh, re-signings um, that some of them haven't technically signed. They are agreed to terms that will sign. Um, since the show I did myself, we have three new additions that were announced on Tuesday. Uh, well, actually announced over... the over the last couple of days. One is the return of quarterback David Blau. He comes back on a one-year deal. He was originally a restricted free agent. However, it didn't make any sense to offer him a restricted free agent tender. No reason you need to guarantee him $2.7 million. And so he comes back on what is surely to be a minimum deal. They, on Tuesday, agreed to terms with cornerback Antonio Hamilton. So he comes back for a third season. He gets a, a one-year deal worth up to $2 million. $1.5 million is fully guaranteed between his salary and his signing bonus of, of more than $300,000. Basically, assures him a spot on the roster, basically. So you know that that, that is a piece that is returning. And then jo Jonathan Ledbetter, uh, defensive lineman, was an exclusive rights-free agent. The Cardinals offered him a one-year tender. He, if he wants to play in the NFL, he had to sign it. So he signed it, and so he returned. So let's. what does that mean? So let's start with David Blau. What does that mean for the quarterback room? Because uh, you and I have, have thrown out names out there. Okay, Case Keenum, Teddy Bridgewater, every, everyone across the local media, 
the internet, national media, all had eyes on Jacoby Brissett as a potential for the sign to get signed because the connection with, you know, Jonathan Gannon, the connection with Drew Petzing, and everything involved. The fact that you know he was drafted by the Patriots when Monty Austin Fort was there. It, it was a perfect match. Um, he's kind of been a bridge quarterback his entire career. But he gets a legitimate starting job or opportunity to start with the Washington Commanders. Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum, um, other guys like that. And so far, no, nothing. Nothing, nothing. And right now the quarterback was Kyler Murray, going to be out for a while. Colt McCoy, limited this offseason after an offseason procedure. And now David Blau. What do you think that that signing means for the quarterback room? I think it just means that there's two things. Uh, first is going to be that they feel that um, they're going to be able to count on Colt McCoy. Um, you know, McCoy's kind of been – obviously there's nothing going on, but he's been out with an injury at this point. And, you know, everybody's kind of been like, what's the injury, what's going on? Um, and so I think that means that, and I think the second thing it means is that they're fairly confident that it's not going to be an extended time without Kyler Murray going into the season, because as we've talked about with Colt McCoy, you know, dozens of times on this podcast, Colt McCoy's great for one or two games, but unfortunately for Colt McCoy, that's typically all he's healthy for, right? Yeah, like, the, for he is uh, he, the way he is built. Um, he the ways he takes hits. It, it seems like he absorbs them differently. He's a tough dude, but yeah, it's like he had the the peck thing last year in twenty twenty one. He had the shoulder. He got the neck. He had a concussion. So there's always something a little something. I mean, he missed four games this year of a strained calf muscle from practice yeah and so you just look at it you've got to understand you know i think for us that just means that they feel confident that you know mccoy will be good to go this summer and and obviously at the beginning of a camp uh but two that they're not going to be without uh kyler for too long because you would have to think that they're going to push a little harder to get what they would consider an upgrade. Um, yeah, if, something. If Kyler was going to be out right. for eight to twelve weeks, right? That's that's why a lot of people thought Jacoby Brissett. Like, why would Jacoby Brissett come here unless he knew he was going to be starting for a significant portion of the year? Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. We we felt that now. Money wise, we wondered if that would be if they would be able to do that. But especially with a new coaching staff, a new general man, new front office, because they didn't have necessarily have the same belief in Colt McCoy that Steve Kime and, and Cliff Kingsbury did, that it would be reasonable to look for a potential upgrade. So, you know, Colt McCoy, who is clearly a backup, and to go with someone who is higher-end backup, low-end starter. Um, kind of that, who's who's had that. Teddy Bridgewater fits the bill. Jacoby Percepper fits the bill. That Those type of guys all fit the bill. Um, guys that you wouldn't, you don't love, but you, you can live with for a little while. It, which, it, it, and I wondered about that. And even the, 
the, it wasn't necessarily because we heard in our back channels of, of whispers and rumors that Blau was not necessarily the quarterback they wanted back, that they, that they wanted to sign Josh Dobbs, but it, would signing Josh Dobbs have felt any better than signing David Blau? I don't think so. They're exactly the same no. caliber of quarterback. Um, the only difference is that Josh Dobbs has, you know, you know, Monty Austin Ford has the connection with a new was able new, had him on the roster, but at the same time, David Blau has the connection through Dave Sears because he was he he was on the he joined the, the he made the team in Detroit was a was a free agent uh, an undrafted free agent when Sears was in charge of college scouting. So obviously, Sears knew about Blau the entire time um, going into it, and so it feels like one it, and we're, we'll have to wait and see if if there is even another quarterback at it, even if Blau was you know, talent level, like kind of this same level of play. Um, as we approach the offseason program, if they don't add another quarterback, that suggests that Colt McCoy is not going to be that limited. That when they get down to the football activities, that between Colt and David Blau, and then I- inevitably there will be a, another quarterback that will be added to the roster after the draft, whether they will draft one or they will they will sign one as an undrafted rookie or whatnot. They will add another quarterback so that when OTAs come around um, and minicamp comes around, that they will have, in fact, at least two to three quarterbacks who can take snaps because you need that many so you don't wear down your quarterback in the offseason. But it feels like, and we wondered about that, what was the confidence level in Colt McCoy going into this season? Apparently, the confidence level is he is the option to start, which, you know, we've seen what he could do. It it was just a matter of, did the new coaching staff believe in in him the same amount? Uh, We look at Antonio Hamilton. Um the fact that they it, he does get more money than he did before last season it was basically a league minimum with a little he he had about 500,000 of his of his salary guaranteed which means he was going to be on the roster now his salary is fully guaranteed this year more than 1.1 million it's a league minimum and he gets $355,000 to sign and he gets another up to $500,000 in playing time incentives up to $2 million um that leaves him with the quarterback room of Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, Christian Matthew, uh, Jace Whitaker. They just let go. Um, and he w- he was an exclusive rights free agent. They didn't even bother to, to offer a tender. And then I believe Nate Hairston signed to a, um, an, a futures contract. And so you have a very unimpressive cornerback room, but you now at least have two guys that we've seen start and play pretty okay. What Do you still – do you think that this is – it with the cornerback cornerback um, moves until draft time. You know, you look out there and you wonder what you know. What could they have? Did I got a? I'm actually in the middle of trying to find this. Um, did the Patriots just release um, Jalen Mills? Was that like that's fairly recently? Yes. Okay. So I mean, and by the way, that's like not saying like, oh, that's a huge upgrade, right, or anything like that. But that's a veteran name that's played a lot of football. Um, So going through it, and was Mills in? I know Mills was in Philly. Was that in before twenty twenty one, or did he play there twenty twenty one and go to the Patriots in twenty twenty two? He went to New England 21. Okay, so. so so Gannon never had him. No, no. So, But you look at it, I mean, you see that he's, you know, he's played 
he played 20, he started 26 games in two seasons for the, the Patriots. I mean, I know it's not the Super Bowl winning Patriots. I mean, they went, they were the number two defense in the league his first year there in terms of scoring. And then, you know, they were the 11th defense in the league last year. And, and, you know, they went down when he was not playing. So again, he's not great by any means. I don't want anybody to think I'm saying he's going to come in and change the, you know, the room, but he, he's a guy that could be out there. You've got, you know, it gives, you, it gives you three guys you know can start. Right. And then a couple other guys, Rocky Sin, we've talked about before. I think he was in uh, Indy with Gannon, right? I believe so. And then you've got um, you've got Rocky Sin. you got um, where did the other name? Yeah, Mills is available. That's okay. I just was double checking that. And then you've got uh, where did the other name go that I was just looking at? But but yeah, I mean that's the thing. You've got some veteran guys that have. Oh, Sean Murphy Bunting still available, right? It was looks he, like he's going to. Uh, he's it, it, he was set to sign. I think either with India or Tan- or, or Tennessee. Okay, Tennessee, you're right. They just signed him 10 hours ago. Perfect. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, so that's the thing. I mean, you've got guys that are available that have started. Not like, you know, like when you see, it, uh, you know, we'll talk about it shortly, but when you see like the LJ Collier signing, that's like a Hail Mary, right? Like that's like, hey, if we get anything out of them, fantastic. If not, you know, not a big deal. I mean, like, let me throw a name at you. It's not. Again, it's not sexy. Like, what about Eli Apple? <laughs> I mean, it, he, it, there's there's some there's some high end higher end potential there for sure, right? And so, like, you've got guys again that have started games, started big games, started a lot of games in the NFL that are available. And so, for me, that's like, you know, that's. That's what you're looking for now, and I think that's why the slow burn is happening um, so much is because the longer this takes, the better chances of guys uh, getting these, you know, one-year, two-year low-end contracts, and that's kind of where the Cardinals are living right now. Absolutely. Then uh, Jonathan Ledbetter. He was always coming back, but he just gives a, gives them another at least another body on the defensive line. Monty Austin Fort did mention him as having played well this last season on the defensive line. Um, they've got the, the, he he's part of that youth. He's got you got Ledbetter, you've got Richard Lawrence, you've got Lucky Foto. Uh, but I, his addition just gives you another body that you need at least to start the off season. But coming up next on the Rise of Sea Red Podcast, the of Cardinals talk about. Let's move on and talk about their new additions. From outside the organization, we've got three signings to. Uh, we've got three signings to just yes, yes, three signings to talk about. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. The best of Cardinals talking about the Cardinals made three outside signings uh, or agreed to terms. Three outside free agents are joining the team uh, over the last couple of days. Monday, Tuesday, the first would be Zach Pascal 
former Eagles and former Colts wide receiver, a guy that Jonathan Gannon knows quite well from both teams. Uh, LJ Collier, former first-round pick for the Seahawks that was, you know, flamed out tremendously as a pass rusher, as a first-round pass rusher. And then also on Tuesday, adding uh, former... Tennessee Titans offensive lineman Dennis Daly. Um, let, let's talk about the Zach Pascal. I, I I don't know if his addition means a DeAndre Hopkins trade is is coming, but if you have a trio of Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and Zach Pascal, uh, or is it Pascal? I'm not sure. Um, yeah, I think it's Pascal, but I don't know. And if you listen to the original draft breakdown podcast, I don't care. <laughs> so, but at least he gives you something different. He he didn't do much. Like you know, he's a dog on special teams. He does give you some medium. Like last year, only had fifteen catches, but with but with the the Colts, he had two years over six hundred yards. That's that's medium. That's medium production. Something you you'd like to see from a wide receiver three. I have no problem with the signing, and he's exactly the sort of player that Jonathan Gannon wants on this roster. Yeah, and the thing is, you look at it, he's um, a guy that is a, like a wide receiver four or five, uh, but he's a valuable special teams contributor, and he's a really, and this is going to sound dumb, but he's a good run blocker. And so what we've talked about quite a bit is how the Cardinals are, going to likely be running the football more. So why not get a guy that's a little bigger, a little more physical? I mean, you go back to his his indie seasons. The dude had over 600 yards twice and five touchdowns, you know, so it's not like he's he's a, a nobody or, or anything right. like that. The way I describe him is at minimum you get a Trent Sherfield type player. Yeah, just a bigger bigger body part portion yeah. of that. So you get, you, get, you get a Trent Sherfield on the low end, and on the higher end, you get an actual productive wide receiver three. Right. And that's, you know, and, and he gives the Cardinals something that they lack in that size, you know, in at wide receivers. I mean, they're, you love Greg Dorch or you love you know, more. They're, they're undersized guys. So it's not <laughs> right. You but know. you've got five, you've got, Five seven Greg Dortz, five seven Rondell Moore, five nine Marquise Brown. So you've got midgets. They they all move extremely well, but I mean, right. And so this is just a different size cat that you know is able to move. He's able to block well. Um, he's going to give you a little a little bit different look, and that's what they need at the at the receiver position. You know, he's not a guy. He and who knows? Maybe he he breaks out or whatever at age twenty eight, but. The reality is he's here because he gives you a high-end special team or, uh, and a high-end uh, blocking wide receiver. The next guy that they brought in was um, LJ Collier, defensive end. Um, this is an interesting signing because now you're starting to see the the report from Jeremy Fallon's they plan on using him across the defensive line. He is a much bigger body than we are used to seeing as a pass rusher because he's 291 pounds, 6'2", 291. Um, but this is definitely a guy that they're gonna they're going to put primarily, I think, on the edge. Um, now he's a little bit bigger than the edge guys that Gannon used in Philadelphia. 
their edge guys were about 260 with Brandon Graham and, and Josh Sweat. However, this you give them an option this way. At least you can look at, okay, right now their starting edge, their starting defensive ends could be Cameron Thomas and, and now LJ Collier. LJ Collier has done almost nothing in the league. His only three sacks came in 2020. Um, that was the only year he was a starter last year. He only managed to play in eight games. It's... It, as a first-round pick, he was a an, a massive disappointment for for the Seahawks, but there is a skill set there, and you throw him. You know, all, he he comes in with really just a kind of a hail mary type thing. You know, it's a it's a low risk, high reward type thing. A a player that you hope can do something. Yeah, and and you know. When you look at the Collier signing, that's really what the Cardinals are trying to do. They're trying to find guys that were high-end prospects, players, and that, you know, either never developed or never had the opportunity. I mean, the let's be honest, the Seahawks haven't exactly been churning out um, defensive linemen over the last couple of years that they developed. I'm not saying that they haven't had good players, but guys that they developed. You know, you just look at it, and it's just one of those situations where you th- you take a shot on a guy on a low salary and see if you can, you know, find a diamond in the rough. They list him at 6'2", 291. There's no way he's that size, right? Um, if you look at photos, he's a big dude. Maybe and maybe that <laughs> maybe that was the issue that he was trying to play on the edge at that size, but uh, maybe maybe they get him to lean down and he has the potential to play a little bit inside or or they maybe they okay here's this between the the scouting department that you know the Austin Fort the Patriots the and and the Lions um, maybe they had him playing a different role and maybe. maybe he will be like when they say all over the defensive line. Maybe he will be more of an, an interior guy. Yeah, and and like you said, maybe he plays end and base if if he's you know on the field and then moves interior as a as a uh, as a pass rusher type of thing. Yeah, because but but at least like even on the interior, you, you're giving yourself some options other than you know Ledbetter and Fotu. And Lawrence, you, you and well now you've got Kevin Strong, but it's a bunch of it's so far their their defensive line that they have the interior. You've got the promise. You've got a little bit of promise with Cam Thomas. Uh, I don't know what what they're going to do with Mike Sanders this year. Like how, what what do they do with him? Um, but with the rest, the rest of the defensive line right now is just guys, <laughs> guys. And, and and with Collier, with the honestly the highest end ceiling. With except maybe Cam Thomas, just depending on how that goes. Um, then the other addition was Dennis Daly. Um, <laughs> Titans fans were not sad to see him go. Dennis Daly started 15 games at left tackle last season, was really kind of not great. Um, gave up 12 sacks, according to Pro Football Focus, which I think led the league. Here's the thing. Cardinals fans shouldn't get too upset about this signing because the Card- they technically already have their starting tackles in DJ Humphreys and, and Kelvin Beecham. And, and even at that, you could even throw Josh Jones in there. Dennis Daly just gives you... Uh, uh, he, he wasn't supposed to be a starter last year, for one. Let's remind, he, he wasn't supposed to. But he's a 
he's a solid low-end starter who you can have on your bench who can play tackle and guard. And if you have guys on your bench who you can count on to be at least a low-end starter instead of you, – you could say he, he was terrible. Maybe he was terrible as a left tackle. But he, he was also a part-time starter at guard for the Panthers when he first came into the league. Um, I, I'm not upset about this. The only thing for me that's interesting about this signing because if you bring him in, a, 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 intending for him to be like your backup swing tackle, that tells me something about Josh Jones. That maybe he is going to be that they, they do project him to play left guard, and that, that little insight that Justin Pugh had um, might have come with a little bit of inside information. And if you've got, jo- if you've got Josh Jones as your starter, left guard. You've got Kelvin Beecham and DJ Humphreys as your two tackle starters. And you've got Dennis Daly, who could come off the bench. He, he, he's, he's a versatile backup. As long as you don't have to count on him to start the entire season, uh, that, well, that's, that would be disappointing. That would just be disappointing. And, and maybe, honestly, maybe he would be an okay right tackle, and he was playing left tackle because, you know, Taylor Lewan went down. Yeah, man, and people just get upset and – you know, want to overreact or fly off the handle to every signing. The daily signing just is a it's a veteran signing that gives them some insurance at, at positions because, you know, you go into the offseason again, something or, or, you know, go into the draft, something you and I talked about off the air, and you've got on paper probably, you know, DJ Humphreys at left tackle, Josh Jones at left guard, uh, I'll let you pronounce the center's Yelda, name. Yelda Froholt. Yeah, Yelda Froholt at center. Will Hernandez at right guard and Kelvin Beecham at right tackle. And so one of the things that you and I have discussed that we've lamented in the past is how, you know, the Cardinals typically bring in a guy like Daly to start over six-round rookies that they brought in, and then those six-round rookies and go – you know, being roster guys at other places, sometimes they catch on or they don't, whatever. But this time they brought in a guy that's a backup to be a backup, you know, in case, and then, and you look at it and between Froholt and, and Beecham and maybe even Josh Jones, there's still the ability to upgrade those positions in the draft. And so like, I don't get the overreaction to daily, um, he was bad, man. It is what it is. You can't sugarcoat it, but at the same time, I don't think they're bringing him in to start. If they, you know, all overreact if he's starting. Um, <laughs> well, and there's and look at, injury. Look at look at the options any, they have. To like if DJ Humphreys goes down, Dennis Daly's your fourth option at left tackle. Let's be honest. If if DJ goes down, you've got Josh Jones, then you've got Kelvin Beecham, and then you've got Dennis Daly. Right. And so that's the thing. So, you know, that's why I just, you know, there's so much hand wringing over every signing uh, or every move they made this off season. And it's like, sometimes they are, you know, like the Collier thing is kind of like the uh, slightly different, obviously, but like the Jeff Gladney signing last year, right? Like, yeah. See if a former first round pick that had issues, you know, obviously Gladney's were, were off, off the, the field, field stuff. Um, can can catch you know a break or just need a change of scenery i mean we talk about it all the time with cardinals first round picks going elsewhere and and you know 
excelling. So <laughs> why not? So that'd, that'd be kind of good. Coming up next on the Rise Up Seabed Podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Let's discuss what they still need to do. The Cardinals still have moves that they need to address. What are positions they that, that are kind of must do's before we hit the draft? That's coming up next to the Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. You know, they've almost hit everywhere where I think they need to. to but however, I think that the I still think number one, your your glaring your glaring hole is still that center position. You're like with the guild of Froholt, you you guess okay, that's a guy, but still, what the heck? Like what 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 are you doing at center? Because if Yelda Froholt is your answer at center for this year, unless unless you believe something about your scouting that nobody else does. That's interesting. The center position still has to happen. Um, I'm. I'd like to think that they're not done at corner, and I like to think that they're not done on the defensive line, at least at the edge, and probably at running back. Yeah, you would think with what they're doing and how they want to compete that they're going to want to add a running back right but i mean you look at it i think they want to continue to upgrade at um you know at the corner positions like we talked about earlier i think they're still going to look for interior defensive linemen you know we're kind of speculating on if and what collier would do if he if he came here and then I mean, saying you can upgrade on the offensive line is like saying you can upgrade a corner, right? Like you just always need, you just always need bodies. Yeah, and, and just for me, yeah, the offensive—it's just the center position. Where I'm like, you still like that's Yelda for It's not a plan, is it? That's not really their plan, right? And that's kind of what we're saying. You know, if they go into the season and Froholt's the starter, then we can start to panic a little. Um, you know, interestingly though, about the center position, it's almost like. And again, I go back to what I said earlier. They're slow playing a lot of this, and and it just seems purposeful. It seems it might be because calculated. Ryan, Ryan Kelly, even though the Colts already paid his roster bonus, unless unless there it has not been reported, and they quietly delayed the roster bonus for a potential trade. Ryan Kelly makes a lot of sense for the Cardinals. He is kind of like the one year younger version of Rodney Hudson been a really high performer only here's a big difference he knows the coaches here the position coach coached him there Clayton Adams was an assistant offensive line coach at Indy Jonathan Gannon would know would know Ryan Kelly you've also got Ben Jones on on the open market right now uh, former Titans center he had a failed physical uh, designation for the Titans but obviously Monty Austin Fort would know who he is he's been a starting level starting caliber center for several seasons there are a couple options and then of course you've got the draft but i i I don't i hope maybe i don't know maybe it maybe things change because like the the two names that when we talked about with the draft obviously you got the kid coming out of minnesota you've got ohio state's luke whipler um whipler who are or guys you feel like maybe you could you could throw into the starting lineup but even if he doesn't have to start this year you've got the answer to center moving forward but I, I don't want to go into the draft expecting to find a starting center when and I, like I don't want Yelda Froholt to be the answer going into the draft. 
Right, and that should be the big thing for them, right? Um, it, it just seems like they need to address the center position, but I just don't know what's out there. I mean, is Sam Mustafer still available? I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not sure. But the two, the two names I know, like three names that I know that that will, that Ryan Kelly potentially available for trade. Uh, Ben Jones, former Titans. I think Connor McGovern, former. I think the former Jets, the Jets. is still on the market as well. What about um? What about Austin Blythe? Is he still out there too? Um, I. Th- think so i wish these things would get updated quicker <laughs> <laughs> yeah spot track least, used to be really good about that and yeah, spot track's tracker is really not good yeah it looks like blythe is still a free agent okay so i mean you've got some options like you said you got i mean i wouldn't say you have guys that you're like um you know beating down the door to to start, but if they're if they're a starter, I mean, he started 17 games last season for the the Seahawks. He was the starter at center, I believe, when the Rams lost to the to the Packers in the playoffs in 2020. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's started a ton of games. He's older. He's a veteran. I mean, there there are still options available, which makes me think that they're they're going into this whole situation especially the draft where there's three guys to know, you know, in, in Luke Whippler, um, John Michael Schmitz and, and uh, I'm, I'm spacing the other guy's name off the top of my head. Oh, Joe Tipman of, of Wisconsin as, as like three guys that could play the pivot that could start as rookies. And so I think it's, it's almost like they're like, Hey, these guys are all, back burner guys right like if we're not able to get the center we want in the draft kind of like what happened last year at least we've got these guys out there still they're veterans you know you mentioned ben jones you mentioned connor mcgovern i mean hell even like a john feliciano Uh, you know these are all guys that have have started games in the NFL that could that could come in and start for a year while you while you figure out the position you know they're not they're not going to be five, six-year starters, but they could be guys that give you a year, maybe even two years, without any without any issues or without any, uh, you know, and and you don't have to start a Sean Harlow or or a Billy Price. <laughs> yeah, I guess Billy Price is still available. Um, let's kind of go position by. Do you think they have any moves left to quarterback before the draft? Uh, quarterback, quarterback, no, I don't think so. no, running I don't think back. So. Do you think do you think they'll sit tight till the draft and then either draft a guy or get a guy after the draft who's been around? Yeah, and again, I apologize if if these guys have been signed. Um, we're just kind of going off of what's available, and and they're not getting updated as quickly as they used to, which is kind of odd, right? The one name that's interesting to me is Kareem Hunt. Um, he's been part kind of of a split backfield. He gives you. But he's also been a you know a bell cow. Yeah, he's obviously not getting. Um, and, and he, I mean, he was, you know, there's the Browns connection with Drew Petzing, so that that makes right. sense. And, and he's obviously not getting the traction he was expecting on the open market. Um, 
you know, I don't think that would be a, a bad name. And and again, like especially if you can get him on, say, the the James Conner contract that you got him for a couple of years ago, say right. a one and three quarter million. Like basically, you either wait till you, you give him a couple million after the compensatory period's over, or you give him the one point seven five, which is the end of that threshold where that doesn't count. Right, and so you know. That's a name. Um, I'm trying to look here. Leonard Fournette's still on the board. There's some names. Fournette. Martin, J.D. McKissick, Mark Ingram, Rex Burke. I'm like, those are, he's old. <laughs> I'm like. Yeah, the other name that's intriguing is. Oh, there's um, also the other Browns guy, Dearness Johnson. Yeah, I was going to say Johnson is intriguing, but the other one that is intriguing and it might be like a post draft post off season because he's old man, but Latavius Murray ran pretty well last year for the Broncos. Yes. You know, a little bit of time and he's another big physical back, right? Yeah. That that, that would make sense. Um, Wide receiver. I I don't, I don't know if they're going to add another receiver right now. I don't think so. Not unless uh, John J Hopkins is going to get traded. We think, but right. Yeah, I, I don't know what anything else in terms of that. Tight end, I, I we will see back of the roster guys, I'm certain, because, um, yeah, Trey McBride, you need someone else. You need some blocking guys. Uh, offensive line, center position, defensive line, we kind of we talked about. Do you see – By the see, way, you, you, you ran through those real quick. I was just going to mention, I think that, um, you know, the fact that, like, Jesse James – and and um, Jeff Swaim are both free agents. Uh, James was with Cleveland last year, mm-hmm. and Swaim was in Tennessee. I mean, those are kind of exactly are, what you're talking about, right? Those are little like in the baseball terms, those are base hit. Those are just you know base hit signings that you guys can you know fill a roster spot with a guy that you guys know. Uh, do you think they'll go more interior or more edge with defensive line signings? You know, I would think it would be uh, interior, and and you know, there's a the one of the guys we mentioned, Tyre Tart got a second round um, qualifying offer from the from the Titans, so obviously he's off the board. Um, Philadelphia, the only guys left are, are Livall Joseph and and Dominican Sue, and I'm going to and sue sue's only to go he's going to sign late with the winning a team that's right i was going to say only a team that's competing um you know so you look at it now you know i don't know anybody that that you know we mentioned it the other day ashawn robinson's a guy that's played a lot of football played a lot of snaps he could make some sense right like Big body on the interior. Bro- Michael uh, Brockers, but Brocko Brockers didn't even play last year for the Lions. Right. And so, you know, it's it's tough, man. Like Matt Ioannidis is another interesting one. He's he's another big body guy on the interior. But yeah, for the most part, like it it, it would probably likely be um guys that aren't gonna move the needle. Yeah, probably. And then I, I I think it the off the ball you've got Kaiser White you've got your linebackers already set you're gonna see other signings those are like special teams like as it is they got four guys so you've got your three starters plus Zeke Turner um, safeties I mean you're gonna see bodies there I just think in terms of of players of note maybe a cornerback because 
it, it would be nice if you go into the draft having three guys you can count on being starters. I I'm, I do not think that Christian Matthew is a guy you can count on being a starter. No, not yet. It, Definitely not. You know, if he developed, that's cool, but you don't want to count on that. Right, exactly. He was a, he was like, a six-round rookie last year. And um, from a and and from a really really small school, like I don't I don't think that can be understated. <laughs> so yeah, so like you've got Marco Wilson, you got Antonio Hamilton, and 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 Antonio Hamilton, even though like he impressed the coaching staff, he's still on the bottom end of like starter quality guys that you want to count on. So please let's see a another starter cali- a starting caliber cornerback, a starting a, a starting center. Um, start, you know, defensive line depth, maybe like blocking tight end, maybe a, a complimentary back to, to, to James Conner. But yeah, it's, it's been a very, like, I guess the word you can use for free agency. It's just been lackluster. It's been, there's nothing exciting that they've done when Kaiser white has been like the, the pinnacle of their free agent signings. And we can't expect, they still have cap room, but they've, they're, they're going to have to use a lot of cap room for their draft class, especially if they acquire more picks. And so, yeah. And, and, and there's a couple things they can do like, like Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, his, his contract extension will save some cap space and you're going to get some more cap space, uh, assuming that Deandre Hopkins are trading. Let's, let's move on to that. In fact, so coming up next on the rise of Seward podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the web. Uh, let's dis- discuss DeAndre Hopkins' future because it feels like it doesn't feel like it, it, it. Never. We'll talk about it. That's coming next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast. Best of Cardinals talk on the web. DeAndre Hopkins still on the Cardinals roster, and it feels like the Cardinals know what they want. They want a second round pick plus something. But when Jalen Ramsey gets traded for a third rounder and and change and Brandon Cooks gets traded for basically like the Robbie Anderson deal are the Cardinals going to get what they want are, are they going to be able to get a second round pick out, out of Hopkins yeah I think so um, I think what's going to end up happening and people are going about it the inverse way but I mean the reality is there's still not a lot of talent at the at the receiver position so i think they're just holding their cards until a team's like okay well, this is what we need to do and and it makes sense i mean there's no reason there's no reason to panic and until after the draft because <laughs> because he has to get trade. He, you need to trade him before the draft to make it worth your while otherwise you're gonna you need him to play and that's the biggest thing is like you're going to want you're going to want to make sure you get adequate compensation for a guy that's still, you know, a top 10 to 12 receiver in the NFL. Um and so if that's going to happen then, you know, you got to you got to make sure that you're not the one that blinks first. Though the the team that probably at this point makes the most sense, right? Wouldn't it be the Chiefs? Yeah, it feels like 63 is going to be coming this way eventually. And that that of... would make all the sense in the world. I mean, they lost Juju Smith-Schuster. They don't have Tyreek. They, they need, like, like they, they put together a championship team without a high-end number one receiver. But are they really ready to turn over all the receiver targets to Marcus Valdez-Standling? Uh, right, and Sky Moore. DeAndre Hopkins makes all the sense there. Um, but, yeah. 
the, the Chiefs make a lot of sense, and, and that's not the premium day two pick. Um, whether they can get straight up the second round or if they can get something else out of out of the Chiefs for them for him that, that sort of makes sense. Um, do you think that the Ravens could come into play there? I don't think the Ravens are anything you can do or say until uh, until they figure out what's going on with with Lamar Jackson. Like either way, I think obviously they the, have to. Yeah, they have to have something in in mind with Lamar um, before this. You know, they could make a move for a guy like. DeAndre and, and the latest rumors and we're not, you know, Ravens guys, so we, we just hear what we read or see know what we read. But the latest rumors are um that he's Lamar's done with the Ravens. So un, I, I just don't see how they make that move unless Unless that's the move to show them to show Lamar, hey, we're committed right. to you. We got you. We got you, big time receiver. You could use, and then we can. We're we're not just going to run you into the ground. I don't know. Um, Cowboys seem to be out because they went there. They they got a perhaps a better compliment for CD Lamb and in Brandon Cooks for less uh, draft compensation. He still owed a lot of money. Uh, any other teams with with the Patriots? Makes sense. I, I mean, I think you know, here locally the, the Patriots have been brought up a lot, but I don't know if they're really in play. Um, you know, it's tough because it's just not something you ever see them do. I mean, I know uh, fifteen years ago they <laughs> they went and got Randy Moss for. A lot, but like it's just not something that we see coming from the Patriots very often. So it just it makes it a little more difficult. You know, I'm looking at it. They have 46, and then they have 76. So like, would they be willing to to do 46? If not, like is 76 enough? Or like, would it have to be 76 this year and a third next year? Like, it it really just feels at this point that it's going to be the Chiefs in 63, and that's going to kind of get everything done. Could the Panthers make sense? Why? I mean, they do make sense, but why? I mean... Young quarterback. They're going to have a rookie quarterback. They they don't have a number one receiver anymore. And I know that they... uh, That... um, D-Hop can't... Or he lost his no trade and everything, but it really feels like that would be going from one mess to another, right? Like that he would just be a you complete know, issue. I, I don't know about that. Cause they're, they're aside from they're they're an ascending team. You've got a, you've got a, you've got Frank Reich there. Sean Jefferson is the receivers coach there. He was the receivers coach here. Um, Adrian Wilson's in the front office there. Um, you'll have a young quarterback coming in and whoever that is, whether it's CJ Stroud or Bryce young. And so, maybe it's the you give him the opportunity to um kind of do what the jaguars did right and he could be a big part of that and and i at least in this sense he it would allow him you you definitely know that he would be, get used and he would be able to put up numbers 
It's also close to home. I mean, I mean, in terms of the competitiveness, I don't know if it's a great fit, but I think there's a there's a fit there for a lot of things. Yeah, I just I just don't think he, that would be what he's happy with. But you never know. I mean, guys are weird, right? They, and and for him, it might be the fact that he gets a ton of touches now. You know, he's the the guy. So because like know, after the last couple of years, he's he's probably not on schedule for his career goals. No. And, and, you know, you look at it, um, I'm trying to find the quote where it was. Sorry. Um, you look at it, there's, there's, you know, not a lot of teams outside of maybe the chiefs that are, contenders that are you know willing to or looking to to move up for him so it'll be interesting to see what they're um if they're really going or or contenders are going to you know pony up to get a guy like that because the other interesting thing is and i know it's a different situation but like isn't it weird that there's really no movement on odell beckham jr either that too don't that there's who knows uh, there's some talk i mean there's the talk of what his contract demands are even though he said that there the report is that there are no contract demands but probably with with the time off and kind of the you know he has been a little bit of a head, headache sometimes where he's been that he's also not content with you know league minimum that he's better than that right and and so that'll be what's interesting to, you know, kind of see where where all this falls. Like, because I think, and and Josina Anderson, I think, just tweeted it out or, or did earlier today. You know, there is a large group of agents right now uh, that are not exactly – enthralled with how free agency is going no there there is the talk of collusion kind of yeah this has been a very odd free agency period so far L- let me throw something out here with with this this came from where i don't know where it came from but benjamin Albright, albright who seth knows is is a sometimes guest on the on the phnx cardinals podcast um Teams that are told are interested with the possible... So there's interest and they have the picks to be able to pull it off. Patriots, Giants, Titans, and Falcons. Yeah, that's the quote I was looking for and I could not find it anywhere. So I'm glad you... Okay, so let's go through these. Patriots, we went through. Uh, Titans, they have 11, 41, and 72. Again, the the closer that creeps up to forty one, you know, the forties, it it feels like it's a little further fetched. Seventy two, I mean, sixty three versus seventy two. Uh, uh, Giants have twenty five, fifty seven, and eighty nine. Fifty seven kind of makes sense. Yeah, they could make a lot of sense because, you know, they just invested heavily, heavily, heavily in their in their quarterback uh they franchise tag saquon barkley and they really have nothing at wide receiver and hopkins does would help there 
Um, and like his contract, he's got 19 million to do this year. He said he, he'd work th- around things, and that doesn't mean he's going to take a pay cut. But with with that 19 million dollar cap hit that some team's going to take, that's easily reduced. You, know, you pay him, you know, you pay him 10 million dollars up front in a restructure bonus. His cap hit goes down to 14 this year, and then his cap hit next year goes up to 19. And so. You can work with that. You can sign them to to an extension, guarantee a little more money. Yeah, the Giants make a lot of sense, even though like this is the first I've heard the Giants even considered. I mean, I've heard their name brought up, but I didn't really. I don't know, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't really take it seriously. And then the Falcons have uh, 44 and 75. Again, I think when you get into the 40s, it's a little high. Uh, so, you know, and, and then it's 75. So like, are you going to get two thirds? So that's what I would look at. I mean, again, I still go back to, I feel like, I just feel like 63 is kind of the sweet spot. I yeah. guess we should look at the second round. And that would, you know, that could tell us. So you look at it, Kansas City, 63. Chicago just got DJ Moore there at 61. Buffalo at 59, you know, and then 57 with the the Giants. What about the Lions at 55? Yeah, I, I, I would be good with that. <laughs> I mean, that, you kind of look at it, and then at the top of the third round, it nothing really kind of sticks out. I mean, they're not going to send him to uh, to LA, obviously. And then Denver has two picks in the in sixty seven and sixty eight. They're trying to get rid of an expensive wide receiver, right? So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think it like you said, it could end up if it's New England, you could be looking at a third and maybe a, a future third or fourth, and then um, same thing with. Uh, with a team like Tennessee, and then if you're the giant, if it's the Giants, fifty-seven probably could get it done, and that would be, you know, you basically kind of recoup that second-round pick. I know the Cardinals was a higher second-round pick, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. With that, let's wrap up this edition of the Rise Up Series podcast. Best of Cardinals talk. Although I will anticipate probably doing a, I might do a um, a solo show later in the week. Depends on what's going on with the Cardinals and whatnot. Uh, but at minimum, we will be back next week. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jesser. This is episode 410. We'll be back again soon. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.